I am so excited to be with you guys and just to have the opportunity uh, just to continue on in our series, um, Squad Goals, spending time in the, the one another's that we find in Scripture. Uh, so two weeks ago, this, this series was kind of launched, um, as Pastor Kondo spoke about, loving one another. Um, and then la- last week, Pastor Jeff uh, talked about judge not one another. Um, and both of those messages were, were unbelievable. They were great. So if you haven't had a chance to check those out, please do so. Um, but yeah, I get to carry that on. And so as, as they approached me and said, hey, would you be willing to do this? Um, and, I, and I said, sure, let's do it. Um, they gave me the list of one another's that we find in Scripture and said, okay, what, what's the Lord doing? What, what's he doing? What's he speaking? What was he drawing you to? Um, and I'm not, I'm not sure why. I mean, it doesn't surprise me, the, the outcome. But for some reason, just kind of throughout my life, I've had a, a, a passion for teaching. Like just teaching what I'm passionate about. Um, so, so from a young age, I've always been passionate about basketball. And that, that's kind of shaped itself out into an opportunity at Triton where, where I, not only do I get to teach students that, which I'm passionate about, but I get to teach basketball, which I'm passionate about as well as I, as I coach. And, and then as the Lord gripped me and transformed me and changed me, my passion became Jesus in, in his word and the scriptures. So that's what I wanted to teach. I, I, I just want to teach what I'm passionate about. So all that to say, I'm not surprised that the Lord drew me to this idea of teaching one another, of teaching one another. And we find this in a, in a number of different areas in Scripture, but the one that we're going to spend our time in today is in the book of Colossians. So if you have uh, your Bibles with you, um, or your phone, or iPad, or app, or whatever, go ahead and, and get that out. Um, and head to Colossians 3. And if you don't have your Bibles, don't worry. The verses will be uh, right up there on the screen. Um, but as you do that, I'm just going to give you a, a brief uh, synopsis or, or some context as we step into the book of Colossians. So, so this book of Colossians that, that we, know it, we know it as the book of Colossians is actually a letter. It's the letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Colossae, the church that, of the Colossians. He calls them faithful brothers and sisters. That's who he's writing to. That's who this letter was sent to. Um, that's the, the original readers. And, and Paul writes for a number of different reasons. Um, he, he encourages them, gives him some summaries of his own ministry. But ultimately, he's out to just make Jesus supreme in the Colossian church. He, he wants Jesus to be supreme, preeminent. Jesus is greater. That's what Paul goes on to say all throughout the first chapter, and then ends up pinning Jesus versus this, these, these ideas, these philosophies that the Colossians were leaning into a little bit. Right? Whether it was legalism or mysticism or, or, or some other form of human philosophy, the, the Colossians kind of leaned into it, maybe add it with Jesus Maybe make it their focus. And, and, Christ, and, uh, and Paul says, no, Jesus is greater than these things. Like, Jesus is greater than these things. As they, as they tried to fight their sin through these human philosophies, Paul says, no, it's Jesus. He even says in uh, chapter 2, verse 23, uh, Paul writes to him and says, although these, the things that they were leaning into and looking into, although these have a reputation for wisdom by promoting self-made religion, false humility, and severe treatment of the body, they are not of any value in curbing 
self-indulgence. He says, look, you're, you're trying to, to, you know, cut off these things that, that you don't want and, and, and transform and change, and you're running to human philosophies, man-made philosophies that they don't work. They don't have any value in that. And then in chapter 3, he, he steps in to explain what it looks like when we've been transformed. He starts off chapter 3 by saying, so if you have been raised with Christ, this is what your life looks like. It's putting to death what belongs to your earthly nature, and it's putting on as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, compassion, kindness, humility, and gentleness. And then he gets to verse 16. So I'm going to read the verse, and then we're just, we're just going to dive right on in. We're going to spend basically the whole morning in Colossians 3.16. And I have the CSB, if there's any Bible translation people out there. Um, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So, some of you guys are probably pretty observant, I would imagine. Um, and you, you, you listen to me talk about, hey, I was drawn to this idea of teach one another or teaching one another. Um, but as I read the verse, you probably observed it's not just teaching one another. There's another word in there, isn't there? Teaching and admonishing one another is what Paul tells the Colossians to do. He says, teaching and admonishing. So as I studied this and as I was reading this, my first question was, what is Paul talking about? Like, Paul, what are you talking about? Why, why not just say teaching one another? Or why not just say admonishing one another? Why, why add them together? So let's talk really quick about what it means. What is teaching and admonishing? So teaching is explaining or expounding on information. Maybe giving wisdom or knowledge or facts or truth, transferring that from one person to another, right? So, so truth going from one person to another, that's, that's teaching. This is stuff that happens in my classroom, right? Happens in my classroom. I say, okay, two plus two equals four. I taught Kondo mentioned I'm going to teach sixth grade next year. I've taught second grade the last three years. Um, so, so two plus two equals four from me to my students. That's fact, that's truth, that's information going to them. But take that another step. And now how do we get from, how do we get two plus two equaling four? Like, like what's the process? What's the problem solving, um, the problem solving method to get there? So, so it's transferring this knowledge, this truth, a process from one person to the next. But admonishing is a little different. This was the one that, that I was a little less familiar with. Admonishing is instruction. It's counseling. It's, that, it's reproving and rebuking one another. It's helping give direction. A lot of times it shows up in Scripture as a warning. You warn a brother like, hey, you walk down this path. This is probably going to happen. We should, we should go the other way. Or counseling someone in the right direction. There, there's action and direction involved in that. And as I was looking at admonishment, I couldn't help but think of the best admonishers um, that we've seen, run DMC, right? Walk this way, talk this way, right? Like that's the idea of admonishing. It is, is, okay, let's walk in this direction, let's go these ways. But why are they put together? Like, like what's special about putting these two together? And ultimately when you add these two together you get life change. You get transformation. 
We get truth, speaking truth into one another, that transforms and changes us. Truth that, that molds us and shapes us and makes us more like Jesus. It empowers us. This truth empowers us and strengthens us to put on compassion, kindness, humility, the things that Paul talked about in verse 12. So before we think that teaching and admonishing is just, okay, we're going to spend some time and fill our heads with as much knowledge as we can. We're just going to spend time in a theological course filling our heads. Um, we need to realize that that's not the case. Like Paul, Paul doesn't want these Colossians to turn into, as one pastor I've heard describe it, a, a spiritual tadpole with, with a big head and a tiny little tail that doesn't do anything. We don't want to just fill our heads and then have no action behind it. This truth, this teaching and admonishing, has life change and transformation, transformation involved in it. And it's God's word and God's truth that does this, him working in his word. It's not our own efforts. It's not our own wisdom and philosophies. It's God working through the teaching and sharing of his word. So that's what Paul's talking about. He's talking about, okay, teaching, sharing, conveying truth that leads to life change. So now the next question that I came up with or, or came across was, was who? Like, Paul, help me out. Who is supposed to teach? Let's look at verse 16 real closely. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. We're going to focus in on that word you. Because that word you shows us who Paul is talking to. Like we can use you in multiple different ways. We can use it in the singular or the plural. And the you here is plural. It's more than one. It's not just you person. It's you group. Okay, and remember who he's writing to. He's writing to the faithful brothers and sisters in Colossae. He's writing to the church. He says, church, you are to teach and admonish one another. He doesn't say just those that have put in the time and the effort, right? I mean, as, as a, a teacher, I, I went through school, right? I went, went through college, got my education degree, um, got through student teaching, passed my licensure exams. I feel like I could say I put in the time to be a teacher. Like I can step into a classroom. I put in my time. You know, I walked through seminary, all, all the late nights hyped up on Mountain Dew because that was before I drank coffee, um, but all hyped up on Mountain Dew trying to finish a paper, a presentation, or, or read a book. But Paul doesn't say just those people that have put in the time. He says, you, all, church. Okay, and I, I want to make a quick distinction because I'm sure, sure some questions start to rise up. Um, I want to distinguish between what we'll call capital T teaching and lowercase t teaching. Okay, capital T teaching, lowercase t teaching. And it's a similar distinction between a square and a rectangle, right? Se second grade teacher, I got to talk about the simple shapes and geometry that we get to walk through. Um, and this one, this one trips up my students all the time. A square is a rectangle, right? A square is a rectangle. All squares are rectangles. But... Not all rectangles are squares, right? A square is always a rectangle, but a rectangle is not always a square. And the same is said for teaching. Capital T teaching is lowercase t teaching, but not all lowercase t teaching is capital T teaching. 
right? So capital T teaching would be like the office of teacher, the person that teaches to the church, right? Maybe you're, you're, uh, the people that have the spiritual gift of teaching might step into this, this role. They teach to the church. Well, lowercase t teaching, that's teaching one another within the church, okay? There's that difference, there's that distinction between teaching to the church and teaching in the church, teaching one another. Another helpful way might, might, another helpful way to think about this might be the gifts of hospitality and evangelism, right? So we're all called to be hospitable, right? We're all called to go and evangelize. Yet, not everybody has the gift of evangelism, and not everybody has the gift of hospitality. We're all called to do these things, yet, yet the roles and ministries look different for each one of us. So, that is to say, we are all members of the church because we're talking to this morning about lowercase t teaching. We are all the members of the church called to teach and admonish one another within the roles and the ministries that God has given us, right? If we look later on in uh, chapter 4, verse 17, Paul talks about or, or, or gives a charge to a guy named Archippus. And he says, pay attention to the ministry you have received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. Now, we don't know a lot about this guy, nor do we know what his ministry was, but the Lord had given him a ministry for him to go and do. And the same can be said for us. Church, we all have our roles. We all have our ministries, right? Teaching doesn't have to take place and doesn't always take place on a Sunday morning, on a stage, with a pulpit, music stand, Right? Does it have to take place up on a stage on a Sunday morning? It takes place many different areas in many different places. Connection groups, missional community groups, Sunday schools, the dinner table, the car ride to church, the car ride from church. Right? Maybe you go and meet with uh, a couple uh, brothers and sisters and, and do a book study and you're teaching and admonishing one another there. Teaching takes place all over the place. And we all have our ministries. We all have our areas. We all have our spots, our worlds that the Lord has placed us in to teach. So don't wait. Don't wait for your podium. Don't wait for your platform. Don't wait for your podcast. Where has he placed you? What role has he given you? And teach and admonish there. Teach and admonish there. Okay? Now, we are all called to teach. So now we know who is to teach but the next question is, who should be taught? Who are we to be teaching? Well, let's look again back at Paul in verse 16. He says, Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you, and all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. One another. So, who should be taught? All others. All others. And remember, this is within the church context, and we can apply this as we step out into our community, but within the church context, we are supposed to teach all others. So look around the room. This is who we teach. This is who we share. This is who we convey the truth of God's word to. That includes the men. That includes the women. That includes the children that we see and that we don't see who are in kids' point. So Shout out to the kids point workers who are practicing this right now, teaching and admonishing one another as they teach and admonish the kids. 5.6, I've been blessed to be a part of that. Um, And I know he was in first service and he 
he's not going to hear this, but, but shout out to Jake Petey, who's just teaching and admonishing those fifth and sixth graders. Just unbelievably. Like the Lord is working in that in a great way. The word of God and, and its reach and, and what he does through it isn't limited to our age, our gender, ethnicity. God works in all of us, in all of our walks of life. All can be taught, all can be changed by his word. So if we truly believe that all others are supposed to be taught, that actually leads us to, to understand and believe that you need to be taught. I need to be taught. Because the reality is we're all somebody else's other. We're all somebody else's other. When, when they looked around the room, somebody saw you. Right? And we realize that we don't have everything put together perfectly. And we all need to be taught and we all need the truth of God and, and the truth of, of Jesus and who he is and what he's done to be spoken to us to then be transformed and made more like him. So are we willing learners? Like this is, this is a challenge I walked out of this study with for myself was, was am I a willing learner? Am I willing to listen to the people that speak the truth of the Lord to me? Am I willing to listen? And am I willing to be transformed by that, or, or, or do I just push it off to the side? We need to be willing learners, not just great teachers, willing learners. So there's a couple questions. And then I think Paul walks us then, so he, he answers those questions and then walks us into how. And another very practical question, how? Like, Paul, how, how should I teach? You tell me I need to teach, you tell me I need to admonish one another, but how do I do it? I think he answered uh, the, the question right here in verse 16. So we're going to look closely at it and uh, key in on three different things. So the first is, is in all wisdom. So Paul says in verse 16 again, Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. So as we teach, as we admonish, we need to be wise. Be wise. And that sounds simple, and honestly, it's something I tell my students all the time. Hey, be wise, make the wise, make the wise choice. And a lot of times I feel like I look at them and they don't know what I'm talking about. What does, what does be wise even mean, Mr. Long? Um, right? So let's talk about it. What, what's Paul getting at? Ultimately, Paul is pointing to and getting at the idea that we need to use the appropriate methods. In order to teach and admonish one another, we need to use the appropriate methods. Do it the right way. And there's a, there's a right way, and there's a wrong way to teach. And we, we can watch Jesus as he models both teaching firmly and, you know, being gentle as well. And there's a right way and a wrong way to teach. There's a right way to, to point out and speak truth that transforms. That, that leads to that. That doesn't put people down. And ultimately, it, it means that we have to seek the benefit, the good, for the person we're teaching. Like genuinely seek and, and want what's best for the person we're teaching. So that, that means as we teach, as we admonish, we don't, we're not shaming them. It's, a, it's not teaching to win an argument or to make a point. I'm not teaching and admonishing to show off my skills, my abilities, my wisdom, my knowledge. It's not about that. If I'm genuinely seeking to benefit somebody else, if I'm really being wise, I'm doing it, doing it for them. 
So it's both doing it the right way and having the right motive. So examine yourself as you, as you step into to your ministries and your roles where you get to teach and admonish one another, where you get to convey the truth of the Lord. And as we're, we're wise, it also leads us to then practice what we teach. Like, like applying what we know to ourselves. That's part of being wise. As we teach, apply it to yourself. Practice what you teach. Practice what you teach. I mean, I can think of, as a, as a basketball coach, um, playing with my players all the time. And I always, I, I try and emphasize, like, hey, make the simple play, make the simple play, make the simple play. But then we get into games, and they try to just do a little too much. May throw a fancy pass here or there. I'm like, why are they doing this? And then I reflect, and I think, okay, when I play, how am I playing? And, you know, because I'm, you know, experienced and, you know, feel like I can read the floor pretty well. I might throw a fancier pass here and there. And I got to remember, whoa, I'm not applying that to myself. If I, if I want them to play this way, I need to play that way when I'm with them. And the same goes here. Like, practice what we teach. Be wise as we practice and apply what we're teaching to ourselves. So be wise as we teach and admonish. The next one, uh, the next point is be creative and be clear. Be creative and clear. Now, my, it's going to take me a little bit of time to unpack this, so just, just bear with me. Okay, back to verse 16. Um, Paul says, In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So, psalms, Paul is referring to the, the Old Testament scriptures that we have and know as the book of Psalms. Right, those, those Old Testament writings, he's, he's referring to, to that. So, so teach and admonish through the Psalms. It says teach and admonish through hymns, which would be songs of worship, songs of praise. Um, and then he says through spiritual songs. These can also be described as, as songs of the Spirit. But these would be spur-of-the-moment words or, or praise that the Spirit moves you to. And he, he moves you then to, to share these things in order to teach and admonish one another. We can use these things to teach and admonish. So share music. Like you, you hear a brother or a sister struggling with something, share music. Like this frees us up to, to share music, share those things with one another. And there's, there's something special, something powerful about singing the truth of God. I don't know what it is, but there's just something powerful about it. Whether it's, creedal and confessional or, or some truth just put to a pattern that helps us remember it. There's something powerful in that, which means as we worship, as we sing together, we're teaching one another. Right? We're teaching one another. We're admonishing one another, which means both our content matters, what we're singing, like that stuff matters, and our participation matters. Am I participating? As I participate in worship, I'm, I'm helping teach and admonish one another. So am I participating or am I just observing the band as they, as they lead us in this song? Participate. As we participate, we're teaching and admonishing. And luckily, say, luckily uh, for those of you like me um, who are more musically challenged, um, you don't, we don't have to sing them to be teaching, right? It doesn't always have to be 
a song in order to teach, which is good for you guys, because then that would mean I would have to sing for you guys. That would not go over well, right? But just sharing the lyrics of a song, sharing the words of a hymn, I, I, I can think of so many moments and times where just the words of the Psalms, just, just reading the words of the Psalms have challenged me and changed me and made, more, made me more like Jesus, right? I didn't have to sit there and sing the psalm to activate God's working. It was just reading that. I can think of hymns that have challenged me. My, my personal favorite hymn, Rock of Ages, has a line in it that says, uh, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. And every time I hear that, every time I read that, I, I'm stirred and just... I, I can't do anything but just understand like, yeah, Lord, I have nothing and I, I'm just only looking to you, right? Like, like, I've got nothing in my hands. I am only clinging to Jesus and what he has done. Just the lyrics. I didn't have to sing that. We didn't, I, I didn't have to sing that to do that. And there's numerous artists, numerous songs that have, have gone to taught me, te- taught me, teach me as I grow in the Lord. So share music. But ultimately, ultimately, I think Paul saying, hey, do this through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, uh, frees us up to be creative. It frees us up to be creative. We can communicate the truth of God creatively to be clear. That goes to say, when we teach and admonish, it doesn't always, always have to be verbatim a quote from the scriptures. Like, I don't always have to just use a Bible verse to teach somebody. Now, don't hear me say that it doesn't have to align with the Scriptures. It always, always, always has to align with the Scriptures and what, what the truth that God, and the truth that God has revealed to us. It has to align with that, but it doesn't always have to be verbatim, word for word, from the Scriptures. Right? So be creative to make God's truth known. Use, use a song. Use a story, use an illustration. Be creative and make God's truth clearly known to those in your world. So be creative. And the next one, uh, the next point, honestly really anchors us. And, and, and I tried to follow along with the B, you know, be wise, be creative and clear. This one I might be stretching it a little bit. Uh, might not ring super well, but we'll roll with it. Be dwelling on the word is the idea, or be dwelling. Okay, so let's look at the, the first phrase in verse 16. He says, Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. Let the word of Christ dwell rich, richly among you. And remember, this is what kind of anchors all of our teaching, all of our admonishing is anchored here because if we don't get this right, the rest of it's just kind of off kilter. The rest of it's off kilter. Okay? The word of Christ, the message of Christ, must dwell in and live in and among us. And all the truths of Scripture point to, to Jesus. And the word of Christ, what he taught, what he did, is what should be dwelling in us. So, so it's the, the gospel. The gospel must be dwelling in us and living in us. The gospel that, that Jesus, Jesus, taking on human form and human flesh, came down to earth lived a perfectly obedient life, died a sinner's death that I deserved, that you deserved, that we all deserved, only to be raised on the third day. 
on the third day. And it brings redemption, reconciliation, liberation from our sin, and transformation to those with faith and belief in him. And his, his gospel, the truth of who Jesus is, makes us and shapes us and molds us into his image. And remember, the you here in this verse is plural. So he's talking to the church. He says, church, let the message of Christ, church, let the gospel live, dwell among you. Let it be dwelling among you. And if we're to be a church like that, both teachers and learners dwelling on and and letting the word of Christ dwell in us, we need the word of Christ to dwell in us individually. If we're going to be a group like that, individually, we need to dwell on the word of Christ as it dwells in us. Now, I want to focus in on just two words within this. Dwelling, okay? Dwelling, this idea of living in. The word of Christ, the message of, of Jesus and his, his gospel must be living in us. That is to say, it's not just renting a hotel room for the weekend and then leaving. It's not just coming in for the holiday and then going away. It's not just staying for a moment and then, and then leaving. No, the message of Christ and the gospel must be living among us, making its residence right here among us and is in us. It resides in us. And not just as a servant, not as a tool that I can, can pull out of the closet and manipulate and use for my own benefit, right? But we get our direction, we get our guidance, we get our grace and our comfort from it, It's the master of the house. I'm not the master of it. Okay, it's not our own abilities. It's not the stuff that comes from the world that gives us this grace, this direction. It's the gospel. It's Jesus, the truth of who he is. So the word of Christ must be dwelling in us, living in us, residing in us. But then it doesn't just live in us, but it lives richly as opposed to poorly, which means what? Well, this ultimately me- means that, that the gospel must live in us with power, with transformational power. The gospel has to have its effect and its influence. It can't just be there and then not noticed, right? And, and I mean, some of us, and we go through seasons like this, but some of us, we know the word, we know the message, we know the gospel, yet go unchanged. Like, like so many people can, you know, have a doctrinal discussion or, or a deep theological um, interaction and, and break down, tell you all about the extent of the atonement and the doctrine of salvation, yet they're still graceless and can't forgive a brother or sister. They still, they still don't love their neighbor as themselves. There's no change. There's no transformation. Paul tells the Colossians, look, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it dwell in you richly. Don't just know doctrines and not know Jesus. Know doctrines and be changed by Jesus because, because Jesus works in them. The truths lead us to him and we're made more like him. Okay, and we, we want to be and need to be a group of believers like that, that dwells on and dwells in, in the word of Christ is dwelling in. And this comes, this comes from us, right? Us dwelling on and soaking in and setting our mind on the word of Christ. And as we dwell on the message of Jesus in the gospel, it in turn dwells in us. And then it fills us and overflows into teaching and sharing and conveying the truth 
of God, the truth of Jesus and who he is to one another. So are we doing that? Are we dwelling on the word? Are we putting our mind to it or just kind of sprinkling it in here and there? Then as we, as we teach, Paul wraps up this verse by saying, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And as we teach, as we admonish, as we convey the truth of the Lord, we, we see what he does and, and it should stir in us. Right? We should be grateful and singing from our hearts. It should stir our affections for Jesus, grow our hearts with inward praise. Not just, mouth, not just mouthing the words, not just saying anything, but, but true inward praise. That should be the result. And, and as I, I get ready to close up, the band can, can come out. Um, I want to look at verse 17. Colossians 3.17, the verse that comes right next. As Paul wraps up his, his thought, he says, And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we're, we're talking about teaching today. So as we teach, as we admonish, we do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, believing in him and being changed by him. So if you, you haven't believed on him, if you, you haven't been transformed by him, please talk to somebody just about the message of Jesus, who he is and what he's done. But brothers and sisters, friends, we are all called to teach and admonish. And as we do, we need to do it looking to him with believing dependence. Seeking his help, seeking his guidance, and seeking his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, thank you for today. Lord, thank you for the message of Jesus and who he is and what he's done. Lord, how you change us through it. So Lord, just let us look to that. Let us dwell on that um, and be changed. And it's in his precious name I pray. Amen.